Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up right here on 3CR. This is Communication Mixdown. Hello, I'm John Langer. We hear it over and over again. Men are notoriously resistant to taking care of their own health or seeking out information about their health. Well, that's the myth that circulates. The reality is actually a little different. But it turns out that men on lots of health criteria don't do as well as women. Could this have anything to do with communication, the way that health-related information is communicated and used by men? Well, to help us negotiate and possibly offer a few answers to that question and to unpack some of the assumptions about men not caring about their health, we have two special guests with us in the studio. Simon van Zoldern, he's the CEO of a men's health-focused organization called Andrology Australia. And I'm going to ask him to explain what andrology means in a minute. But our other special guest is Nikki Holden, and she heads up an organization called Vertex Health, which has a specific focus on improving health policy, services, and outcomes across a whole range of communities. Hello, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Simon, I want to start with you, and um, I want to get a little bit of a backstory. Andrology, what does the word mean, and how does it relate to the organization that you're involved in? Andrology is a very medical term. So um, the easiest way I always explain it is andrology is to men what gynecology is to women. Um, And if people still look at me quizzically, I say, okay, below the belt and above the knees. Okay. I think we've got the picture. Now, Nikki, um, well, tell us a little bit more about your organization. Yeah, so it started uh, 18 years ago, actually. Um, Professor David de Kretzer, um, who was our governor in Victoria for some time, um, actually saw the need to have uh, an organization that focused on men's reproductive health because there was no such um, organization in Australia. And um, so because he was doing a lot of work in the area, uh, he convinced the federal government to give some funding across and started the organisation from from there. And so from there it grew into something that has um, services for not just consumers, not just Joe Public in the street, but also for health professionals because it's a bit of a minefield because it covers everything from... Things like prostate cancer, um, prostate disease, um, which is probably more common, um, 
uh, erectile dysfunction um, to low testosterone. Um, and so there's, there's a range of issues that are covered under there. Mm. And that, so for GPs, it can be really tough to keep across all of this information and at people in what's known as allied health as well. Mm. So um, it's a good way of getting service information out to them as much as anything. Plus, we do work with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, communities in terms of trying to get mm. some of their health messages across because talking about these things, uh, as we're here to talk about today, is actually challenging because... I mean, it was only a few weeks ago I had an issue with, uh, and I'm happy to name them, Brisbane City Council, um, where they felt that the word uh, male infertility was um, something that couldn't be seen on a um, film clip for a band that they they had as part of a competition. So they blurted it out. Those Mm. sorts of things make talking about men's health much harder. Mm, mm, mm. I want to turn to Nikki and uh, a little bit more backstory to just to get a, a bit more context in our discussion. What's the connection between your organisation, Vertex Health, and Andrology Australia? Right. Um, well, I was approached by Simon at, towards the end of last year about doing some work with him um, to actually to develop a newsletter for um, Andrology Australia. Uh, we got to talking about potential um, opportunities and we were really looking at the newsletter and the tone, uh, the messages it was getting across, who we thought the audience was. And that led us to larger discussions about how we communicate with men in lots of different ways. So on the website, newsletters and campaigns, lots of different um, communication methods. And do we really know what men want? Um, and this turned into a much bigger project where we uh, looked at the research, we tried to evaluate how the best way to communicate with men um, across the lifespan, so a lot of different ages, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, um, LGBTQI community. Do we really know how to communicate and get our health messages heard? Mm-hmm. Now, to either of you, or this, to go back to my introduction, the assumption that floats around is that men are resistant to taking care of their health. I wanted you to unpack this a bit so that we can get a better understanding of the issue as it relates to your current project. Um, The simple answer there, John, is it's kind of true and it's kind of not. Um, it, It actually is, because of the complexity of whether or not they are, and because there is so little information on this, it's why we sort of got to this point of going, we have to ask the question, uh, because there are lots of assumptions. The assumptions are men don't go to the doctor. Isn't, isn't entirely true. Men over the age of 40 go to the doctor at least once a year, um, but they tend to go to the doctor um, less frequently than women. They And this is not, I suppose I use women as a comparative point. Um, mm. It's not an either-or argument at any stage. Mm, mm. But um, they have shorter consultations uh, and so and they t- tend to wait till longer in any disease, if it's an illness, they wait longer till they actually go to the, the doctor. Mm. There's some belief that this starts at a very young age and that it's from um, the first time that young women go to the doctor is believed to be sort of 15, 16 by themselves for, say, contraception. 
Um, for a young, healthy male, and so, sorry, if you're going to a doctor for contraception, I'm gathering, not being a woman, but I'm gathering you have more of a, a conversation. Mm. For a young, healthy male that actually doesn't have any sort of illness or um, injury, that can be 25 or 30 or 35 years of age before they go to the doctor. Mm. Then they tend to go because something is broken or it's not working. So it's a transaction. Mm-hmm. And by that stage, that means that even the GP has to change their way of thinking because there has to be a different conversation occur. Mm. And I guess this gets into the communication side of things as well. The things that I was reading that you supplied me with before uh, we had the show, some some of the things that I noted was well, you talked about age, but socioeconomic status would mm. be another thing that would be possibly important. Ethnicity. Um, whether people live in the city or in the regions would be important, and the nature of the health problem is is that are the, all of those things in the mix as well so you might get some men that will be going to doctors more regularly and so on as opposed to others it's it 's a much more complicated issue than men don 't go to the doctor that much absolutely. I think uh, all of the issues that you 've just mentioned influence uh, men 's health seeking behavior. Their uh, health literacy, so how much they know about their own health, um, what they can gather from reading information, so whether they understand that, um, and also how much they talk about health, not just going to the doctor, but between um, their family, their friendship groups is all influenced by those factors as well. Mm. So we know that um, poorer health outcomes are seen in rural communities compared to more urban cities. Um, a bigger social network um, is more important or very important for health. Um, and um, different cultural backgrounds really don't talk about health, um, particularly reproductive health, I think is still very taboo in some mm. different cultures. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a, a very, extremely important issue. Something else that I, again, that I read, it's, I thought was interesting is there was a study that was done and it suggested that men feel very confident about their ability to control their health more so than, say, the, the stress levels that they would experience at work or their careers and so on. But when it comes to it, what the study found was that they don't follow that confidence up by, for example, going online and finding out about whatever they have and so on. Can you, is, is, that a, is that an interesting thing to be talking about? Yeah, I think that's that's a really important point. This study was only done last year, so it's really contemporary information. Um, and as you said, even though these men say they want to take control of their health, they're really their actions aren't um, showing that they're doing that. Um, and that, that's part of what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to work out what is stopping them, how can we make it easier for them to access information, um, mm. and what are their preferred methods of getting information. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon, I, I wanted to ask you something because another thing that I noticed is that there, there has been some international studies, possibly not a lot, but one of the things that interested me was in terms of Australian men in, in Australia as opposed to other comparable countries – in Australia, is is it sort of the she'll be right mate kind of ethos that that dictates the way men connect to their health? Um, you you certainly do ask the hard questions, don't you, John? Um, it's it's again it's a case of um, it's a case of you've got to go even back to the 
health information and the way they they find it themselves. So the Shelby rights, um, that may be a bit of the old ethos, the old belief system of men thinking, you know, oh, I'm tough, I'm, mm. I've got mm. you know, masculinity, I'm macho, I'll be all, all right, um, and the 10-foot-tall invincible thing. But um, I suppose the, the other part of that is that people do, men do, um, look for health information. And one of the things I was interested when I started at, started working at Andrology Australia was to look at just website statistics in terms of I, I was really curious as to what time they were doing this at because I had in my own head that I reckon they're doing it at night um, when they're in the safety and et cetera of their own home and probably a bit later. Totally wrong. Um, it's between 10 and 2 on weekdays in the office on the computer. Hmm. During, uh, the, during the coffee break. Yeah, uh, which and so that that really interested me as well in terms of mm. thinking, well, we don't know enough and there's there really is not enough research. There's there's lots of mythology around how men get information. Mm. Um and there just there's just not not enough that tells us um and then you break that down by the different age groups. For example, you know, we know I was I was speaking to some colleagues recently who did some research, uh, market research for how to actually target messages to different uh, young girls and young boys. With young boys, it was very much the message needs to be a video clip, and it needs humour, um, and that was a health message. So, yeah. so and that's very very different to the way that young girls um, address the same sorts of information. So. It was also seen as um, social suicide for boys if anything had, anything that vaguely looked like it was information from a government um, website. or uh, mm. So mm. so those factors, and then as you get up through some of the findings, early findings that Nikki's got through some of her focus groups are, are interesting because they sort of flip the other way then as people get older. We'll get, yeah, we'll get back. We'll get get to that. Let, let, let's Actually, it's a good time to take a break. Let's have a break, take a breath, and uh, we'll be back. Each year, the Melbourne Documentary hey, Film Festival curates world-class oh. local oh, and international <laughs> features direct from some of the hottest, most prestigious documentary film festivals in the world, like Cannes, Doc New York City, South by Southwest, and Sundance. This year, opening night is on Friday the 6th of July at 7pm at Cinema Nova Carlton. The festival kicks off with Film Worker, the incredible true story of Stanley Kubrick's mysterious assistant. For more details, go to mdff.org.au. See you there. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. You're with Communication Mixdown and we're talking with Simon Vaughan Soldern from Andrology Australia and Nikki Holden from Vertex Health. And we're discussing some of the issues connected with communicating effectively with men about their health and their health needs. Now, let's get down to some specifics. Nikki, this week uh, you told me that you held a focus group. There was a focus group session where you were hoping to hear firsthand from a diverse group of men about their current and preferred health information requirements. How do you run such a session and what happens? <laughs> Am I allowed to ask that question? Sure, sure. Um, 
Well, the hardest part about these sessions is getting men to come along um, because when you say you want to talk about health, a lot of men don't prioritise that in their day. Um, we, we're getting a good response from older men who are retired or semi-retired who have more time. Um, but um, so really we've, we've taken, gone through a lot of channels to try and um, contact and attract as many men as we can. Mm. When they come along, um, we, we have a variety of techniques we use to get them talking about their health. Um, well, we don't specifically want them to talk about their health, but they end up doing that anyway, which is fine um, because then they use those examples about what works, what doesn't work, mm. and really trying to untangle um, their motivations and um, how they've accessed health in the past. Mm. So what sorts of things came out of this this particular discussion that were significant in terms of healthcare, what you noted, and, and what that have to do with communication? Yeah, there was lots of interesting things. Uh, the men that came along were very generous um, and very open. Um, I think some really interesting things, um, these men were all over 50, um, and they talked about how um, their attitudes towards health had changed over time. So they used to think they were invincible, bulletproof. Um, they said quite adamantly that they didn't look for information about health until something happened and then they wanted to know. Um, so which really makes us you know, have to reassess how we um, get prevention messages across um, and just general awareness about health. Um, but then once they something does happen, they do want information. Um, and the way they looked for it differed depending on the severity of the situation. So for really severe personal um, crises, they would turn to um, their GP. Sometimes they would skip their GP and go straight to a clinic um, because they wanted information quickly and they wanted um, advice, basically. Um, whereas minor health problems, they still said that they ignore it. Screening um, kits that they've been sent either from the government or given by their doctors. They said they can sit on the bench at home for months at a time and they won't <laughs> send them back in. But then something happens and they might hear about a friend who's had the disease um, or has even just done the kit and sent it in and said everything was fine. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of fear, a lot of um, – they felt very threatened by having to assess their own health because it really mm -hmm. did question their vulnerability and their um, independence, their strength, their manliness. So it that's was really, really interesting. That's really interesting. Very interesting. And in terms, these men are older men. Did you get any sense about um, use of social media or how, how did that yeah. sort of sphere kind of weave itself into what was going on? Uh, yeah, they uh some of them mentioned watching YouTube videos. So they do like watching videos about um, different procedures that they're going to go through themselves or um, about how to you know, do these kits and send them mm. off. Um, so some of them preferred these to be real men, um, real personal stories, celebrities, um, any, anyone that actually could tell their real experience and they could identify with them. Mm. Um, whereas others said they 
really don't look at online information at all. They know it's there. They don't know which ones to trust. There's so much mm. there that it's really hard to unpack mm. all of that. That's an interesting thing too about tr- trustworthiness and that that's clearly a very important part of online yeah. information and I think, so on. I think it's very different for different age groups as well. I think I ran a focus group about a different health issue earlier this year and the younger generation seems much more savvy about how to assess the quality of information and whether it's trustworthy or not. Mm, mm. Simon, just to go back to you, and in terms of this investigation you're involved in, at this point, where are you? Is is there a lot more cities that you're going to, a lot more communities to to get, gather information, or how? Where where are you now? Is Melbourne the starting point or the end point? So Melbourne's the starting point, um, and we'll be in Ballarat in about a week or two's time. Um, then we're going to do some online, some further online um, forums, which will pick up a lot of the regional and other city information. On top of that, we've done a range of surveys, uh, so we're getting lots of survey information back. So we're trying to get as broad a catchment as possible to tell us and inform us what and how men of all ages are trying to get their health information or want to get their health information. Um and so hopefully we end up with something that tells us from different age ranges um, to different demographics, different um, rural, regional settings, etc., as to just how we're meant to package information up. Because we can also then share that information with GPs uh, and the like, uh, because it is hard for them. Uh, talking to, we have a um, general practice reference group, and talking to the doctors on that, the variety of ways that they give information to men in terms of whatever the health topic is, it's everything from fact sheets to I'll give you, they, some give them the website to go to, some, you know, it's, it varies mm. so greatly that because they don't know themselves. Mm. So the culmination of, of what you're aiming for is to put together a, a document or something that you can circulate to what to doctors or to pharmacists or where does this where uh, it's actually this a, so it'll be a number of fronts it'll be the way that we communicate to um to average men uh in terms of how do we get health messages across to them better it will also be used to inform other doctors and uh, health professionals so the aim is to and I suppose one of the things we've already learnt is this is this is not a line in the sand exercise. We don't finish this and go, well, that's it, we're done. We we know now know perfectly well how to speak to all men, mm-hmm. because technology changes. Um, as people get older, they will change the way that they also access information. And as new younger mm-hmm. men come into mm-hmm. the, so we need to keep asking this question. And I think as a health community, it continues. It needs to be continually asked because men access information very differently to women. Mm, mm. And as you said, different stages in their in their life cycle and so on. For anyone listening who's interested in learning more about what you're doing and the study or actually participating, where can they get information? They can go to the Andrology Australia website. There's a link to the survey on the homepage um, in the bottom left corner. Um, if they want to contact us, they can send an email to info at andrologyaustralia.org and we will get in touch with them either to provide them with more information or if they're interested in taking part in a focus group. 
That sounds great. And we'll put those details up on the 3CR Communication Mixdown website as well. So that might help you. We've been talking about some of the ways that communication works to get health information to men. And our guests this week have been our Simon Van Zaldern from Andrology Australia and Nikki Nikki Hoddle from Vertex Health. And apologies for the stumbling over the names. We are Communication Mixdown. And that's it for us this week. We'll be here next Thursday. And as I said, the podcast and the links and the contact details for Andrology Australia will be on the Communication Mixdown website. Speaking to you next week.